Welcome back to The Boy from Splendora, Texas by Wallace Gibbs. Blue Plato, Episode 1. Today is Valentine's Day, I said to Virgil as we walked from the pasture towards the house. It was a crisp, clear morning. As Virgil and I continued to talk about our plans for the day, I noticed that the roof of the house was white with frost, a good indication of how cold it was outside. As we passed the swimming pool, we could see what appeared to be steam vapors rising from the surface. Those vapors make it look like it's boiling hot, I said, but it's really, really cold. Remember when we were sitting in the hot tub with Daddy last week, and he told us that we were getting too hot and we needed to jump into the pool? I do, Virgil replied. It was so cold that it felt like someone was sticking needles in my skin. And then it made the hot tub feel like it was boiling water when we climbed back in, I answered. Virgil bent down to pet Pauline. You're a good girl, he said. Pauline vigorously wagged her tail as she watched Virgil and I enter the back door to the garage. We slung off our rubber boots and entered the house through the utility room and sat down at the kitchen table. Did you wash your hands? Charlotte shouted from the kitchen. No, we forgot. You boys are so gross. Go wash your hands. Gail made us oatmeal with raisins and I'm cooking us some toast. Virgil and I pushed our chairs back and walked through the living room towards the back of the house to the kids' bathroom to wash our hands. I'm going to see if Gail will stop by Hayden's store this morning. I want to get Becky a box of candy, I told Virgil as we washed our hands in the sink. So you're not going to ride the bus? Virgil asked. Not if Gail will stop at Hayden's, I said. Did you ask Mama? Virgil inquired. I thought that I would ask her when she comes by with the bus this morning. If she says yes, then I'll go with Gail. If she says no, then I'll just hop on the bus. Do you think that I can go with you? Virgil asked. I don't see why not. What do you need to get? I asked. I want to buy a full box of those blow pops, Virgil said, referring to the suckers made by Charms that had a piece of bubble gum on the inside of a lollipop. What are you going to do with them? I ask. Well, I get them for 10 cents each, and then I sell them to the kids in my class for 25 cents each. Last week, I made over $5 in profit, he said. Wow, that's awesome, I responded. I'll let Mama know that we're both going to ride to school with Gail. Virgil and I returned to the table where Charlotte had set out two steaming bowls of oatmeal with raisins in it, along with a piece of toast each. Y'all need to hurry and eat because the bus will be here in 15 minutes, Charlotte informed. We were going to see if we could get a ride with you and Gail today. Virgil and I want to get something at Hayden's store, I told Charlotte. What do you need from there? Charlotte inquired. I want to get a box of candy for Becky, and Virgil wants to get some blow pops. I don't think that'll be a problem since we have to stop there for gas anyway, Charlotte informed. Did you let Mama know? I was going to meet the bus this morning and let her know. I began to slowly eat my oatmeal, making sure to blow gently on each spoonful to cool it off before I placed it into my mouth. 
Not satisfied with that, I broke my piece of toast into eight to ten pieces and mixed it in with the oatmeal, which for some reason always made the oatmeal cool down enough to eat. Can I get a glass of water? I asked Gail, who had come into the dining area. No problem, Gail answered, turning around to go back into the kitchen area. She got me a glass of water and Virgil a small glass of milk. Charlotte said that you're going to stop by Hayden's this morning to get gas, I began. Would you mind if Virgil and I rode with you? I want to get a box of candy for Becky, and Virgil wants to get some blow pops. As long as Mama says it's okay, I don't have a problem with it, Gail said. Thank you, I stated as I got up from the table, walked to the kitchen, and placed my now empty bowl into the sink. I'm going to go and wait for the bus to make sure that it's okay with Mama. Take your books with you just in case she won't let you go. If Charlotte and I don't see you in the house by 7.45, then we will assume that you're on the bus and we'll leave without you, Gail warned. No problem, I said. Virgil, let's go and brush our teeth and then head out to the driveway. We quickly went through the routine of brushing our teeth and then went outside. Tyler was standing at the end of the driveway looking towards our door in anticipation of us appearing. You better hurry, he said. The bus just passed the Samuels place and is headed this way. We're going to ride in with Charlotte and Gail this morning, I replied. I'm going to let Mama know. Darn, Tyler said. Can I ride with y'all? I don't know. Let me ask Mama, I asked as the bus ground to a halt in front of the driveway and the door swung open. Can we ride into school with Gail and Charlotte this morning? I want to get a box of candy for Becky and Virgil wants to get some blow pops, I informed. I don't see why not, Mama answered. Tyler, come on and get on. I was hoping to ride with them, Tyler responded. I think that's better if you ride the bus this morning. Mama said. Yes, ma'am, Tyler said, dejectedly. The doors to the bus closed, and I heard Mama grind the transmission into first gear and release the clutch. The bus started ambling slowly down FM-2090 and toward the Womack's place to pick up Darla and Rex. Virgil and I walked back towards the house. As we neared our olive green 1972 Ford Galaxy 500, I could see vapor coming off the exhaust, which was normally invisible on all but really cold days. I opened the rear door, and we placed our books and lunchboxes inside the car, shut the door, and went inside the house. I could hear Charlotte brushing her teeth in the bathroom, and Gail in her bedroom collecting her purse and books. Time to go, Gail stated. You two boys go get in the car. Virgil and I turned around and walked through the utility room door and out to the driveway by way of the big garage door. I lifted the chrome handle to the car door, and we both got into the back seat of the warm car. Before we got settled in, Gail and Charlotte appeared from the garage. Gail headed towards the car, and Charlotte turned and pulled the overhead garage door down and locked it. Do you think we could listen to that song, White Lightning? I asked. You bet, Gail stated as she pushed the George Jones 8-track tape into the player. Charlotte opened the front passenger door and got in. 
Then Gale put the car into reverse and backed out of the driveway. Gale shifted the car into drive and straightened the car into her lane as we headed towards the school. As we passed Granny's house, Gail pressed down on the horn, and we all waved. Granny's right hand briefly let go of her tiller. She waved and then quickly grabbed the handle again as the tiller continued trudging towards the ends of the garden space that Granny was preparing for spring planting. Virgil and I sat in the back seat quietly listening to the George Jones tape while Gail and Charlotte discussed the upcoming events for the day. It only took us five or six minutes to get to Mr. Hayden's store. Gail turned on the left blinker, slowed to around 25 miles an hour, angled the car through the iron ore gravel lot, and parked right in front of the three golf gas pumps labeled Regular, Unleaded, and Ethel that were in front of the store. Gail put the car into park and turned off the engine. Virgil and I exited the car from the left rear passenger door. We ran up two wooden steps, and I grabbed a wide metal bar with the word Sunbeam printed on it, along with a picture of a blonde-headed girl eating a piece of bread. The screen door opened with a creak, and we went inside. I headed to the counter, and Virgil headed to the candy aisle. Do you have any boxes of candy? I asked Mr. Hayden, who was sitting behind the counter next to Mrs. Hayden. The Haydens were in their late seventies and had run the store and gas station for several decades. Mrs. Hayden was older than Granny, but about the same height. She had dark brown eyes and gray hair. She wore gold-rimmed glasses and usually manned the IBM cash register that had an enormous amount of buttons that she would push down as she calculated your purchases. After every transaction, she would pull a lever on the side of the machine, and the buttons would reset as a stream of paper projecting from the top would advance. Mr. Hayden always wore a cowboy hat, a western shirt with a t-shirt underneath, blue jeans with a black leather belt, and a pair of black boots. Mr. Hayden didn't say much, and when he did, he was very difficult to understand because of damage a stroke had done three years earlier. Who are you buying the candy for? Mrs. Hayden inquired. There's a girl in my class that I really like, and I wanted to get her something for Valentine's Day, I responded. Well, we don't have any Valentine's candy, but I think that she might like a box of either Butterfingers or Baby Ruth's, Mrs. Hayden said. Inside each box are 10 to 12 small candy bars that she can save for herself or share with her friends. It's guaranteed to please, Mr. Hayden slurred out after he spit a mouthful of tobacco juice into the spittoon that sat on the floor next to the counter where the register sat. That sounds good, I said as I tried not to gag when I looked down into the spittoon. Can I put this on Mom and Daddy's account? I'm going to pay her back when I get the money. You bet, Mrs. Hayden said. Why don't we wait until Gail's finished up with the car, and I'll put it all on the same sheet. Instinctively, I turned around and looked through the screen doors and could see Gail dutifully watching the dial on the gas pump move. Every once in a while, you could hear a ping as a dollar increment was reached. I headed to the area of the store that Mrs. Hayden directed me to and stood looking at the small boxes of candy. 
I was faced with the choice of Butterfingers, Baby Roots, Almond Joys, and Mounds candy bars. I knew that Becky was very picky about candy, so I quickly ruled out the Almond Joys and Mounds, which were filled with coconut. I heard the screen door open and then slam shut as the spring thwanged against the wood frame of the door. I put in $10.80, I heard Gail say to Mrs. Hayden. Thank you, she stated. That'll save me a trip outside. How's your mama doing? She's doing just fine, Gail replied. I see her drive that bus past here every once in a while, but I don't ever get to visit with her much, especially now that you and Charlotte are driving, Mrs. Hayden continued. Wallace, Gail called. It's time to go. Mrs. Hayden, I'll make sure to tell Mama said that you, Mama that you said hello. Thank you, sweetie, Mrs. Hayden said. I still couldn't decide on whether to go with the box of baby roos or the Butterfingers when I heard Gail call out one last time. It's time to go. I quickly settled and grabbed the box of baby roots and headed to the front counter. Mrs. Hayden opened a small pad containing a series of alternating white sheets followed by yellow sheets. On each sheet there were two purple-lined columns. The first column was the widest, taking up two-thirds of the space, and was labeled Item. The remaining column was labeled Amount. There were ten to fifteen rows on each page. Mrs. Hayden took a small piece of carbon paper and slipped it in between the first set of blank, white, and yellow sheets. She then took a piece of cardboard backing that was part of the pad and slipped it behind both sheets. Pressing hard, she wrote Gibbs, comma, Jean, and Georgia at the top of the sheet, where there was a blank drawn out next to the word name. In the blank next to date, she wrote 2 14 79. She then moved to the first row on the sheet and wrote gas in the first column and $10.80 in the second column. On the second row, she wrote candy, baby roots in the first column and $1.57 in the second column. She then moved to the bottom of the page and wrote $12.37 in the row marked total. Can you please sign anywhere on the bottom of the page? Mrs. Hayden said as she turned the pad and pushed it towards Gail. Yes, ma'am. Gail replied and she signed near the third row from the bottom and gave the pad back to Mrs. Hayden. Thank you for your business, Mrs. Hayden said as she took out the carbon paper and cardboard backing and placed them in between the next white and yellow sheets in the pad without even looking down. Y'all have a good day at school. Virgil came up to the counter next with his hands full of differing flavors of Charms Blow Pops. As he placed the pile on the counter, Mr. Hayden began counting them out. That's 30 suckers and 10 cents each for a total of $3. Thus, that'll make it grand total of 325 Mr. Hayden slurringly said. Here we are, Mr. I'll give you an empty box that I've been saved for you in the back. Virgil reached into his blue jean pocket and pulled out four wadded up dollar bills and placed them on the counter. I watched as Mrs. Hayden pushed down several buttons on the cash register, reached for the lever on the side, and pulled it down. 
all in one movement the buttons reset themselves, the receipt paper advanced, and the cash drawer sprung open. Mrs. Hayden took the four wadded-up dollar bills, straightened them out, and placed them in the cash drawer. I owe you seventy-five cents, Mrs. Hayden remarked. By any chance, do you have a fifty-cent piece? Virgil asked. You know, I sure do, Mrs. Hayden replied. I got three of them in yesterday. I even have one of those bicentennial ones, if you'd like it. That'd be awesome, Virgil replied. I already have four of those in my collection. I also have four of the bicentennial silver dollars, twelve of the bicentennial quarters, and seven of the two-dollar bills. That's quite a collection, Mrs. Hayden stated as she handed Virgil a fifty-cent piece and a quarter. Virgil placed these in his pocket. Mr. Hayden returned with an empty charms box that at one time held grape-flavored blow pops and handed the box to Virgil. Thank you very much, Virgil stated. This will make it easier to carry and will make it better when I start selling them because kids will see the picture. As we headed towards the car, Gail pushed the screen door. The spring attached to the door groaned in protest as the door swung open. We all rejoined Charlotte, who had been sitting in the car, working furiously on her pre-algebra homework that Mrs. Van Dyson had assigned and was due first period. This concludes Episode 1 of Blue Play-Doh.